what's funny is um, my, my father is a big temper. And even as I speak these words, I'm I feel afraid. Like, what's what's the backlash, the retribution for? Um, you mean right kind now? Kind of bring it to light, like literally right now. You're anxious right now. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what if he takes this the wrong? You know, what what's the retribution? And once dad hears this, once dad podcast. hears this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And um, but it's the truth. <laughs> Okay, hi everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Undo Anxiety Podcast. I am Dr. John Duffy. I'm your host. Um, Undo Anxiety. Uh, the reason we call this podcast Undo Anxiety is because all of us, to some degree, suffer unnecessarily. And um, the more we share our stories openly, um, without shame, um, the more we find, oh, I relate to that a little bit, or somebody else, one of my best friends, relates to that a little bit and the less we suffer unnecessarily. And that's the goal here. And, um, and I'm finding um, more and more that, that, that story, um, our personal deepest stories, the ones we think um, nobody would ever wanna hear, turns out to be the ones that people relate to most. So um, with that in mind, I'll, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about my guest. Um, uh, first, I should say this about this young guy who I am fortunate enough to be sitting across from. Um, I, um, I believe that um, emotional intelligence and emotional availability and the striving for it, especially in a young man these days that wish to want to be better and more open and more available is something I, um, I value greatly and I admire greatly. Um, and I think it's something we need in this world, in this country, right now in our young men in particular you know i think i think sometimes women are a little ahead of us as far as this goes um but uh that that emotional astuteness and availability um combined with some true actual raw intelligence in a young man is a rare thing um and uh i am but there's great hope when it exists in one place and with that in mind i am sitting across from a guy who, uh, to my thinking, possesses all of that. Um, Dylan, welcome, man. Yeah, stoked to be here. Appreciate <laughs> I'm it. I'm glad stoked you're here. To be here, John. Yeah. So, um, in in the name of sharing our stories to alleviate the undue anxiety we all suffer, um, where do we start? Where does the crux of your story begin? Totally, totally. So, um, you know, we were discussing a little bit earlier, and I, I think the the foundation of um, my anxiety. Um, stems back to an early childhood experience um, that I think, unfortunately, a lot of people can relate to mm-hmm. nowadays, um, which was my parents' separation, and um, and I th- and I think what we're slowly learning here, and, and we'll talk a little bit about the the separation itself. Um, but I'm 22 now, and um, it's actually about I think in October or November, so a couple of months ago. Um, where I had this recognition of um, my whole life, I've uh, sort of blamed my my parents, or not, not my parents. I've blamed myself um, for my parents' separation, and you know we, we hear this all the time, super uh, cliche. Um, you know, to, uh, people telling their kids it's not your fault, right? It's, right, it's right, right. Not, it's not your fault that um, you know your parents were separated or divorced. Um, but I've recognized that internally I have completely felt that it has been my fault. 
Um, and, and genuinely, that wasn't really a conscious thing um, until the last couple of months here. Um, so in seventh grade is actually when my parents first separated. Um, definitely not the uh, picture-perfect relationship growing up, but um, the... And what was it colored by? Was there fighting? Was it disconnected? Totally. Super, uh, a ton of fighting. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we, we talk about anxiety and where it stems from. And I think, first off, I think recognizing where it stems from is huge. I mean, that self-awareness, hey, this is my anxiety, this is what it's stemming from, um, gives us the ability to kind of take power back from it and recognize, oh, this is my anxiety, this is, you know, where it's coming from. Um, first of all, I want to stop there because that is um, so profound, right? I mean, uh, you are 100% right about that. I think sometimes once we realize our origin story, right? Totally. With regard to our anxiety, depression, whatever it is we're suffering, um, yeah, that then, then we can liberate ourselves a little bit because sometimes the way we think about it doesn't really reflect, reflect reality, especially if it's an early experience. And I can tell that you've put your seventh grade self um, and, you, and you've totally. kind of um, developed a, a new perspective on that young guy, yeah? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, it, and I think what's, um, what's most interesting, and, um, you know, we, we've discussed this uh, a bit in our own time together. Yeah. But um, the, the notion of trauma and kind of how we describe and understand trauma. And, uh, you know, I, I think for me, recognizing, um, f and another thing I definitely think we should dive into is shame. Yeah. Um, which is just, I think the um, a, a huge driving force in our world, um, which you know is why storytelling is so important. But um, and the nature of a lot of undue anxiety, you know, I, like I, um, those are really important words, and I think they, <laughs> I think shame is included in both of those words because there's these degrees of trauma, these variations, right? You, Absolutely. We, we were talking about like. Do you have to be the subject of mortar fire in order to be right. really post-traumatic? Or can it be like, ooh, I think I'm to blame for my parents breaking up. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's what we're, we're slowly recognizing is, um, is absolutely someone who um, was in Afghanistan, a soldier who has, who has seen death and right. um, real, real dark times. Absolutely. You know, we, we see obviously with the post-traumatic stress disorder increasing and, um, but I think the, the, the biggest thing is we all have these experiences. And I'm not saying everyone has an experience of trauma, um, but I think a lot of us do. Yeah. And when you are you know, 12 years old and you're seeing your parents, um, when you're five years old and you're seeing your parents fighting, and um, you, you um, internalize that. And you see, oh, this, why are the people I love the most in the world, my caretakers, fighting? And what's, what did I do? What's wrong? Why? Why, why don't they, you know, what if, what am I, how am I contributing to this? Because right. especially at that age, your ego, I mean, I mean that age, it's all about you. It's right. It's me. What, what did I do? What did, um, so the sense of self is super profound. And so when you see that, you're like, what, why, you know, am I not enough? Why, why don't they just, you know, why would they fight it? If I was good enough, they wouldn't fight. They would love, love each other and everything would be good. Um, wow. It really felt that way to you. Um, absolutely. If I, if, if I were just good enough. If I just uh, am a better boy, if I right. per perform better, you know, um, that's such a, uh, I, I think the not good enough script that so many of us carry in our heads is so yeah. toxic. But I'm oh. thinking of it like a young child 
whose parents are fighting and he feels like, I'm not good enough, um, so I'm driving this somehow. How does a guy think about like, what is he supposed to do? What, you know, how, how, how is, are you able even to depict like what the fix is? No, no, I don't think so. And, and you know, yeah, the question, especially at that age, when, you know, when I was in seventh grade, that's when my parents were separated, and I still have that. Um, but my, you know, my entire childhood, we, we, I, you know, can think of vivid memories of my parents, um, <laughs> I mean, in, in extremely, um, you know, volatile encounters. And, um, First off, you're scared as a kid. You're just like, what is happening? Um, but that that internalized like, what is my role in this? Um, because you, you you're so self-centered, especially you know when you're a young girl or boy growing up, where it's it's all about you. And so I think for me it was, um, you know, if I was good enough, my parents wouldn't fight, and they would love each other, and everything would be good. Like, do you think, do you think this is fairly universal? Among kids whose parents are, you know, fighting and, and you know, in conflict, do you think that there's um, that that most kids feel like, ooh, this this is because developmentally, you're exactly right. You know, when you're young, you are by definition egocentric. You literally can't put yourself in the mindset of, of another exactly. person. Exactly. You know, um, right. uh, until you're a little bit older, maybe 11, 12 years old. So. Um, would you say like, yeah, I'm thinking like most seven-year-olds whose parents are arguing, they're wondering what role they're playing in it. Oh, 100. Uh, well, y you know, I can't uh, speak to like a, a, I mean, I know the research behind the, this, you know, scientific research, developmental psychology behind, hey, when you're five years old, you're, you're completely ego-driven. I mean, it's all about you. So sure. absolutely, you know, I don't think I can universally say that all children who have parents who are separated internalize that as sort of a um, uh, my 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 fault my issue right but I, I definitely especially guy friends I mean I've you know a couple in particular that have gone through extremely similar situations um, and I've noticed especially um, two of them and in their sort of development and their behaviors extremely similar to my own yeah um, it, it, at a college level, at it, it, it a more adult level, and so I think the 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 story of, I mean, nobody wants to go back and think about traumatic incidents. Right. Like that's not. Um, that's not just not fun. fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, right. We want we, we want to just park them in the back of our minds and move on right. with life. Right. Yeah. Right. As if it were unaffected by it somehow. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And I think um, the the real power is actually. I, I can never underestimate, I think, the, the power of human beings and, and um, the resilience that we actually have. And I think by, by going back to these, these places, whether in a, um, you know, with a psychologist, if we're fortunate enough to afford one of them, right. um, or you know, journaling, speaking to someone that we trust, and you know, we, we, a trusted person can, can be extremely cathartic and um, beneficial. And more importantly, by going through that, I, I genuinely think, at least from you know from my experience, by going through recognizing, hey, this is where this trauma, this anxiety comes from. That's genuinely, I think, the only way for me to move forward, and uh, and reach my full potential as a human being. Got it. So, um, in, in in the spirit of that, though, like take take us back to, you know, ten years ago or so. That's about mm -hmm. how long we're talking, right? Mm -hmm. Seventh grade. Um, 
you, you gave me a very vivid picture of, of the day when yeah. your parents split up. Do you mind sharing that story? Absolutely, a bit? absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the, um, and, and we'll kind of dive into my relationship with my father now. Sure. But the, um, and I, I just got to make a quick note on this. What's funny is um, my, my father is a big temper. And even as I speak these words, I'm I feel afraid. Like, what's what's the backlash, the retribution for? Um, you mean right kind now? Kind of bring it to light, like literally right now. You're anxious right now. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what if he takes this the wrong way? You know, what what's the retribution? And once dad hears this once dad podcast. hears this podcast, mm -hmm. right? And um, but it's the truth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and and you know, slowly slowly developing that own empathy for myself like this is you know my feeling my experience your truth my truth mm -hmm. and um but temper and rage kind of does that to someone's psyche um but the, the kind of the, the the story of that day my parents separation so i was in seventh grade yeah and um you know i don't know specifically what happened with it, it what happened with my homework whether i got a bad grade i didn't hand something in um my dad got word of it and I, you know, vividly remember being by the computer. I'm sure I wasn't doing homework by the computer. Um, <laughs> and, you know, my dad coming over and kind of calling me out, and, you know. Um, and it, it sort of began with just an anger. Right. And I also just want to emphasize, when you're that young, you, there is no, like, your father, especially just the physical presence, has, has the power. Like, you are powerless. Um, I mean, now if, if, if something happened today, I could physically defend myself. Right. But right. That, that's a you know that's a, a quick aside. But essentially, my dad, <laughs> and it's funny how I'm kind of I'm stuttering around the story. There's I'm almost afraid to say it. I feel that. Um, but my dad came in and was extremely angry and was yelling at me, um, and you know why didn't you do your you know whatever why didn't you do your work or why didn't you get a good grade. Um, and and it was it, it went from um, an anger to a rage, and you know I eventually end up in my bedroom. I'm in seventh grade, um, in my bedroom crying, and my dad comes in and just you know kind of continues to pour it on. And finally, my mom came in and was like, "What is going on? Like this is school. It's not you know." Um, so, so my mom, you know, from my, my mom was just like, what are you doing? This kid's She's putting in perspective for your Absolutely. dad trying to call, calm him down. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. and, and the next thing I know, and this image is so vivid in my mind, um, the next thing I know, the next thing I remember specifically from that is being in my parents' room and seeing my dad's suitcase on the bed with, like, clothes in it. Wow. And just being like, this is happening. And, um, and for, for my whole life, I, I, it... It, w it definitely was not a left field, but you never think as a kid that like that's actually going to happen. And mm -hmm. I love my dad dearly. We were extremely cl close growing up. I have three sisters, the only boys, so we had that kind of um, that guy connection. That guy right? connection, mm -hmm. yeah. And we're extremely close. So him leaving was brutal. I mean, that night, my mom and I were in her room, and again, I just want to say, I, mean, I was in seventh grade, and just sobbing in her bed, like the the worst. Um, like uncontrollably, like Niagara Falls. I mean, just just kept kept crying. It feels um, like um, even right now, Dylan. It feels like grief. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like the biggest loss. I think one one can especially at that age. Yeah. And um, so that age, meaning you know, a child. I mean, any age really. It's it's extremely challenging. Um, So that would that happened, and um, the next two years for me, my eighth grade year and freshman year, next three years, um, were brutal. Um, In what way? Went, just went through, I've always been a super sociable guy, had a ton of friends, went through um, one of the darkest depressions, um, and that's actually where the shame, the shame, it was all the shame, and that's what I'm recognizing now. So taking, uh, just b- before we lo- uh, get to that, that, that darkness that, that yeah. kind of followed um, that night, I can see where just in terms of like um, the sequence of events where you thought, dad left because of me i mean you know like definitely I, I, right because you're like if i had only done my homework or done this test that's right it. or whatever that's it, it was huh? yeah um and one thing that's that's um curious to me and i think might even be curious to you in this moment is yeah. why do i still feel this now why am i afraid to tell this story right now and mm-hmm. i i, I, I kind of don't want to lose that because yeah it feels so salient it's like you know one would think like mm, it's 10 years ago now it's just a story we tell, you know what right, I mean? But right. it feels like so much more than that right this moment. Totally. Yeah, 100%. And, and, uh, and I think the biggest fear of, of even telling this story is, um, is genuine, like the genuine is the retribution mm-hmm. and the, the anger from my father. I mean, you know, for example, my mom has, you know, has told, sto- has, has, attempted but there's so much shame um you know that she's carried and i think she's doing a better job but expressing to her closest friends family members of what really happened right and 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 this what happens in these relationships is nobody wants to be found out Mm -hmm. so when you have that anger and rage and someone who's experienced it and who's talking about it nobody's happy to be kind of the the light being shown on them for negative things and that, and I think that's just a human um, but I think that's where these you know we talk about abusive relationships for me the the fear is first off you, you don't want to be this oh pity me right? right like especially I think for males like oh pity me I'm this victim you know because that's the last thing I want Right. The last thing and I it want it doesn't is, match the male archetype, right? I'm not right. strong. I'm not. I'm not tough. Like I didn't, couldn't handle that somehow. One hundred percent. And I and I think, so that's the last thing you want. And right. so, especially for men. I mean, I've had conversations with, um, you know, with a lot of, uh, you know, as I've kind of grown up, it, um, I have four incredible uncles on my mom's side, and, um, and you know, even with that, the language of. And my, you know, two of my cousins who I'm extremely close to, um, and you know, a few close buddies who I've, you know, selected carefully, but um, it's it's a uh, so so I guess t- to emphasize the last thing you want to be is like poor me, but yeah. you also want to be able to go to um, you know your uncle or your buddies, male buddies, your cousins. And be like, hey, this is this is really difficult for me, right? Like, this is kind of what happened with my dad, mm-hmm. and and I love and forgive my dad, and we're all human beings, um, 
but this is what happened and it's challenging for me and and what i've found you know especially one aunt in particular but um you know my mom and aunts are are typically a lot more available to coin a john duffy uh <laughs> term and um and I, I definitely think there's a balance of, hey, this is really difficult. What do I do about it? But I think sometimes for human beings, you just you want to feel heard. And I think our biggest craving is being understood. And, and, um, and for me, it's been an uh, in, in interesting, and I, and I think I'm getting better, uh, process of, hey, uncle or cousin or friend, this is really difficult for me right now. Yes. You know, this is my relationship with my father. and, and um, not feeling like enough and um this is this is what's going on and um and i need you and i need you yes i need you right that's that's it bam so so you said a moment ago nobody wants to be found out that resonates like reverberates through mountains to me like that mm -hmm. feels like such a big statement and yet to hear what you've said since that moment um it it almost reminds me of Brene Brown's uh, work yeah. on vulnerability where it's like, yeah, but that's not where our strength lies. We think like uh, we need to be pillars of strength and silent and stoic instead of vulnerable and open. And I think you're telling me there's an instinct in me to reach out to some the men in my life, uncles, um, cousins, an aunt maybe too, and let them know, hey, I've been through this thing. I'm going through this thing. I need your support. And it feels to me like therein lies the strength. This, so as much as we think we don't want to be found out, that's exactly what we need in order to be whole. Is that fair? 100%. Yeah. 100%. And, and, and you know, I, I, haven't, I haven't, you know, my, um, I think with men particularly in my life, like I've, you know, my uncles, my cousins, I mean, everyone has been super helpful. Yeah. And um, I think what, what I'm kind of discovering even through this conversation is the, the when you, you know, are um, tra traumatized, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's extremely difficult to, to verbalize and kind of discusses, hey, this is what happened. And, um, but I think, you know, with that, we recognize, you know, my uncles, at least, for example, have have recognized, oh, this the more truth you tell about the actual stories that have occurred, the experiences, um, the, the better picture others can see. Oh, this is kind of what has gone on. Right. Um, but it, but it's definitely an evolving pro process. And and the um, the truth is the, the truth is there. There is definitely an empathy um, from both parties, but I, I do feel like, um, in general, like my mom or some of my aunts have been, uh, one aunt in particular, have been more uh, available. And, yes. and, and that's not a critique on my incredible, um, you know, uncles or cousins who have, but I think there's um, kind of the male code is to toughen up, you know, figure it out. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm t sometimes I think that's the, the best route to go. Mm -hmm. Um, but sometimes in order to toughen up and figure it out, you need to allow yourself to show, Hey, this is like, this is really challenging for me right now. Yeah. Yeah. It almost, um, challenges what we mean when we say toughen up, right. Toughen up might be like, okay, then I'm going to tell you my story. Like as hard as it is to tell, like you're, you're doing now, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like this feels like 
this feels courageous to me, mm -hmm. you know? Um, we, we've thrown the word trauma around a couple of times, mm -hmm. and um, do, you, do you mind sharing the nature of it? Like, you know, um, because I can imagine if I'm listening, I'm thinking, well, what happened to this guy? Did, did his father beat him? Was he, uh, um, uh, you know, negligent? Was he abusive verbally? You know, what was the nature of it? Definitely. Um, yeah, so for, you know, me in particular, it was um, my father's rage and verbal abuse. Mm -hmm. um, unpredictability? Unpredictability, right. You, you've said that before that he could be really kind and fun and absolutely ex yeah. exactly which is the scariest part of it right mm -hmm. and um so you know never never knowing when that switch is going to flip on and um yeah you know i think f for me as a kid you know as a kid remembering you know there's a difference between getting angry and being rageful and um you know, there's a vivid image that I have of my father w when he gets super rageful. Like you see it in their eyes, and they kind of get up in your face. And um, control is missing. Yeah. 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 And it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the scariest thing um, that I've ever experienced. And you know, when you're a kid, you can't do anything. Like if he, did, you know, if he did that to me today, part of my language would I probably just knock him out. I mean, there's right. there's nothing like he could. could I mean, he's he's done that to me when I'm you know in college and just graduated, but not nearly as frequently, and um, you know he knows that like that's, that's not going to fly. But but if, but when you what, were twelve, when you're twelve, you when didn't you, know that when you're fly, a six-year-old huh? t-ball player. Mm. Um, shit, and uh, sorry. Now I'm thinking of okay. more things. Um, you know, I'd play travel baseball and. <laughs> This is so weird to think about. I literally don't think I've thought about this in like 16 years. But I was probably in like fourth or fifth grade playing uh -huh. travel baseball. And it was like the last inning of a game. And I just followed the ball. I, followed, I, I wasn't a great hitter. Mm -hmm. And I fouled the ball off like God knows how many times. Um, like 12 times in a bat in the last inning. And I remember getting to the car. And my dad, you know, took me to the tournament, getting to the car and just opening the car door and just getting blasted. And it was like, dude, I just hit a foul ball. Like, what? Who cares? Right. Um, and you're a kid. And you're a kid. Mm -hmm. Or you know, in t-ball, uh, <laughs> I'm sure my mom remembers this pretty vividly too. Um, but I was terrified. We went to my first t-ball practice um, in Oak Park, so I was probably I don't know with t-ballers. Kindergarten, preschool. I was gonna say five, six, maybe seven yeah. years old, right? And, and um, wow, there's so much I didn't even think about this stuff. But it's interesting um, what comes up when you start telling story, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and you know, I went to this t-ball, and the team was the Royals. A bunch of my buddies were on the team, and we got to practice. And I was terrified. I was in the backseat of the car, sobbing. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this, and. My dad just lit me up. I mean, just like, just, I remember coming home for dinner and just being like, oh my God, like, I, and. Verbally, he lit Verbally, you up. yeah. Screaming verbally, you yeah. Up. Just. Berating you? You know, in that particular in instance, I don't even, I don't remember the, the, wor the words, I just remember the. Vibe? Yeah, just yeah. The, the face lighting up in your face. That rage. Um, the rage. rage. Yeah, okay. the rage. Yeah. 
And then, you know, there's, there's, there's one incident that really stands out to me. And, um, and this was actually towards my mom. And this is, you know, what kind of, uh, this is like, you know, it's really terrifying to kind of say, but, um, we were at my, my old house and my little sister and I were outside of a door and my mom, my parents were in, I don't know if it was their room, but a room in our, our house. Right. And just scream. I mean, just like just a huge fight. And I remember opening the door, Mar Mariah and I were, uh, my sister and I were outside of the, uh, the door and we were writing notes and sliding them under the door. Please stop, stop. We're like, I don't, we're, we're not past third grade. Got it. Okay. And, and you're writing notes to your parents. Please stop. Please stop under the door. And I remember, I don't know if Mariah or I opened the door or something. I don't know who opened the door, but th we opened the door and my mom's, you know, sitting in a chair sobbing, like sobbing. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is like a little, you're seeing your mom as you're less, you're six to eight years old, you're seeing your mom. And my dad's standing up just with these like fangs and this like anger and just berate, I mean, just screaming, you know, just that, that rage. I, I, I mean, I, I, and I don't know, you know, there are plenty of instances that we can go through, but these are just kind of little tidbits of um, that rage. And yeah. it's, it is, the most in, in the unpredictability of it is I think what really drives the anxiety, right? Like it, it, because that, that switches, he can be the friendliest, kindest, um, you know, if he walked into this room and he, you'd be like, wow, it's like a really cool nice guy. guy. I want to hang out with him. Yeah. 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 Um, but that's where the anxiety lies is I never, you never know what's going to happen. And yeah. so, you know, coming home, you're like, what, what type of vibe is it going to be? Right. And so I think that's kind of where where that that trauma is from. That that kind of um, you know, in specific examples that have played out in my life is um, I'm afraid of conflict. Um, so afraid to have these difficult conversations with people. Because do they do they um, feel too familiar? Do they feel like does does conflict equal rage, rage trauma? Trump, yeah. Does it feel unsafe? Because when you describe, like, you know, I'm picturing, like, well, kind of the core duty of a parent, you know, like kind of at the basic bottom of the hierarchy is provide a safe environment. And um, not to indict anybody, you know, but it sounds like you were... It wasn't safe, yeah. It was and not that's, a, emotionally, that's, it wasn't a right. safe environment, right? And, and that's, you know, my experience of it. Um, and, so, and so how else does it manifest? So you, so you, you don't, you avoid conflict because it feels, because it it's too... Resonance. So somebody right. might think like, "Geez, Dylan is, is so weird." When I want to just have a discussion with him about like anything, uh, because but your the weirdness is is a an artifact of what that trauma of being with an unsafe, rageful father. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and I think you know, um, and and just in kind of uh, the I think the biggest feeling for me that I've I've had to you know work through and there's been a lot of progress on which is the good news is not feeling like enough and I think that's that's the thing we carry that's the thing I carried is um, I wasn't enough and um, and to to an outsider looking in come on you know that's come on dude it's not your fault 
Right. But this is their relationship. Are you kidding me? Like, right. You know that they've been in conflict probably since before you were born. You know, like right. You know, this couldn't be about you. But, right. But. But that's, that's not how, how you felt. No. And and I think the most. Um, and, and that feeling of not being enough, not being worthy of love. Um, I I can't think of many you know many more difficult feelings as a human. I mean, there's there's we have a wave of emotions, but um, you know I think for me just in in, in sort of real life examples in high school, um, you know looking to go to colleges and um, and and blatantly lying or embellishing. You know, I I was not a great student in high school. Right. And um, saying oh yeah you know I'm looking to go to this school or um, you know, to let's say uncles or uncles friends and um and 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 the reality was I c I didn't feel like I was enough to really say what was going like I uh, whether that's a fear of abandonment for not being enough. Um rejection maybe rejection. Mm-hmm. Um but that that feeling is very real and um, so, th- so that's kind of like an example of, oh, you know, Dylan, what'd you get on your ACT score, right? Yes. Which, frankly, if I asked one of my buddies, you know, what'd you get on your ACT score when we were in high school? And he's like, you know, I got a lower score or something like that. Like, I could, 20, I could yeah, care less. Got a 22 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. like, oh, okay, whatever, dude. Like, I don't, but. You're for not me, judging him. You're not going right. to reject him. You're not right. going to walk away. Oh, dude, we're not friends. Yeah, right, right. right. It's, it's like, over, dude. Yeah, it's over. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Exactly. Good to know you, but yeah. I'm done. I, I, only, I <laughs> hang around 27 with 27. and above. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. And, uh, but, but that was a genuine feeling I had. Like, I, I'm going to lose friends if I'm not enough. I'm going to lose So would you would you bolster family. that ACT Absolutely. score? Did you, did you add a few points? Absolutely. Because you're like, this is good A few enough. points, yeah. I think I, I think I got like a 22 um, and it would be like, I mean, I don't know, like 28 or something, yeah. right? Yeah. And which is, you know, <laughs> extremely pro- problematic. But the, the, the issue, the, the, the um, sort of explanation or, or that comes from feeling like I am terrified that if I'm not enough for someone else that they're going to leave, right? Or yes. they're, um, and, and that's really tricky. And I think that's something... I've noticed with a lot of um, with guy friends who have who don't have that uh, strong relationship with their father, who have or who have you know divor- divorced parents, challenging parental relationships, is the fear of just not being enough. And I'll speak from my own experience specifically, um, but that's that's something that I think I've carried for a really, really long time. Dylan, I so appreciate how forthcoming you are because. Those two sentiments, I'm not enough, and therefore, ergo, I am not worthy of love. Um, I think that um, the vast majority of people, somewhere in the, in, the, in the recesses of their psyche, that's what they believe about themselves. And, and I think we have this odd tendency to cherry pick experiences and base our self-worth based on these negative experiences that suggest I'm, I'm not good enough, and so um, I'm not worthy of love, and, and so I have, to, um, I have to bolster my ACT score. Or some other people I work with would say, I have to g- 
get to that party, or I have to have this perfect Instagram post with 3,000 likes, or, totally, uh, yeah. right, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I have to get that degree, um, or I have to marry that person, whatever. Um, and I love that, e yeah. easily, um, then we, we could label um, what 15-year-old Dylan as, you know, a troubled, lying young man, right? Um, uh, as opposed to a guy who has had a traumatic upbringing, doesn't feel like he's enough, and lies for cause, for from a deep-seated belief that, that what he brings to the table is not sufficient. Absolutely, 100%. So, so, so you were, uh, a while back, you kind of were saying in, in the aftermath immediately of, of your parents um, separating, those three years following, I think you took it from eighth grade all the way to sophomore year, was this dark depression. Mm -hmm. um, what was the nature of that? Was it was that was that I'm not enough? I'm not worthy of love. Totally. So in, um, I mean seventh. So like the second half of seventh grade and eighth grade, um, and um, you know we can we can go here. So I had. Um, Basically, I, I didn't think we were going to go here, but we can. Uh, so basically, I had an experience um, that I, a uh, sexual experience that I did not want to have. And, um, and there was a ton of shame in that. And I think also with my parents. But it sort of became this com combination of, of just overwhelming shame. And I can't speak to anyone because it's so dark and bad. And this is actually where I learned kind of the power of um, vulnerability. And, mm. and it, so it's actually uh, can be a huge blessing in that I've recognized, hey, if you feel um, bad about something or ashamed of something, the reality is, is that all th there is, I guarantee you that there is another human being in the world. What is there, like 7 billion people? Yeah, I think there's 7, seven so, 8 billion somewhere. In so I think there's a good chance that one other person on earth is going through not the, not the same experience but something similar to what you've gone through um you know whether it be you know whether it's a soldier coming back from war with ptsd or um you know in another case a victim of um rape or yep. a, a a child who's gone through um you know a parent who's addicted to drugs mm. yeah um so so as humans, we have this beautiful connection of, oh, wow, we've all gone through this. And so the more we... We've all gone through something, right? We've gone through something, and there's probably somebody out there. There's some group out there for me, some more, somebody I can reach out to who will say, oh, I get that. I understand. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And so what happened for me, to go back to what happened in sort of like seventh and eighth grade, I, I couldn't get out of bed. Um, and this, this, this goes from a, you know, I would... I would have these the worst anxiety attacks in eighth grade, um, where I'd be at school and I just like tense up and um, and I was in such a dark place. Like I, I wouldn't talk to my parents about what happened, um, you know, the sexual experience, which I, I I don't think there was any malicious intent on um, the other person's behalf. Was was this um, a, a, an issue of sexual abuse, or was this somebody your age, roughly? You somebody know? my age, okay. correct. Yep. And um, and 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 so um, you know, from that, it was kind of that was the shame. So that that shame combined with my parents' separate was just like a 
perfect concoction of shame. Yeah. And um, it, it's funny because typically I'll, I'll only mention my parents' separation, but you know, I, I do feel like sharing this is also uh, out. It's important. It's a huge part of my experience. And so I couldn't get out of bed. Um, and my, my parents were so concerned about me. I would lay down on the couch and I couldn't, I like literally felt like I could, and I was just thinking about this, thinking about this. Right. And, um, and finally one day, I don't know why, <laughs> I remember super vividly, it was, I think it was my eighth grade year or the summer going to my fresh, freshman year of high school. And, and just a, a quick footnote, this is from you know myself, someone who's always had a ton of friends, mm -hmm. who's always been a super sociable, extroverted guy. You. Um, yeah. 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 Um, so to go to that that place was, I think everyone around me was like, "What is going on?" It's not like you grew and up this kind of moody kid. No, uh, you were you super, were outgoing and like in general, like pretty happy dude. And, and, and anybody listening to you now is probably hearing that you know spirit kind of come through even these stories. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. So a, a moment ago, you said. Something like, you know, yeah, we can go here. And you decided to tell the story of this sexual encounter when you were young um, that's kind of shame-filled for you. Why did you decide it was okay to tell that? I just feel like it wouldn't be the, the full story without including that. Um, I, I not only think that's a, um, was a most courageous moment, um, but, but I agree with you, and, um, and I'm, I'm, I guess I'm grateful. I'm grateful mm -hmm. that you were willing to tell it, and, um, and I want you to know here in real time, like it feels in, in a way like um, where one might think like, oh, this is, this is a real shameful thing and I wanna hide it, like you were suggesting mm -hmm. earlier. It almost gives more power to you as a human being, knowing like, okay, you've been through this and you worked through this, and you know, and so I kind of wanna highlight that, you know, like, yeah, man, put the story out there because there's liberty in that. No, that's that's how it feels. Okay. I mean, the most it was the most terrifying thing that I think I've said so far, but it's also the most okay. It's out there, right? Yeah. Like, and and I can and and it helps us understand. I think like oh, so that combined with what you were going through in your family, that certainly um, helps us understand why a guy was depressed through high school. You know, totally through, through middle school and high school. Man, that's um. Uh, how could a guy be anything else? Um, you know, because that's it's an awful lot of, of heavy shame and trauma to carry. There's a there's more than one type of trauma. Totally, in that early story. Absolutely, so, and and so I think the the transition. So what happened to get the the sexual experience that I didn't want to have? Um, one day I don't know what happened, um, but I, I went. I was in my room and just laying down, and you know, I, I mean, it, it really hurts me to think about. Um, you know, my mom, especially in this situation, because nobody knew what was going on. You know, I, I, they were just like, why is, what is Dylan carrying? What is, what's wrong? And it really hurts me to think about her. I mean, it's, everything's okay now, but right. during that time, I think it was so difficult for the, for my mom, especially, um, because I just shut down. Is there something, um, in retrospect that she could have done or said that might have drawn that out of you and eased some of that, you know, anxiety and upset you were feeling. Um, I, you know, what, and this is really funny. Um, what my mom did, that I think, 
I mean, her whole, her whole life for me was just this unconditional, unconditional love. And um, I, 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 I don't want to like cry, but I, uh, she's just an incredible human. And um, crying's allowed, man. Yeah, crying's allowed. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I think what she did and what, um, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a parental expert or, uh, but I think what would help me in this situation was her patience mm. and the, I love you. If you need anything, I'm here. Yeah. Um, and what I still remember my dad, my dad did is, you know, he, he, he was just so angry with me. Uh, and I remember one episode, what the hell is going on? You know, what, tell us, you know, what is going, this, what's, what's wrong? You know, t tell us what is, um, and, and the voice was way different than the one I just did, but, um, harsher. Yeah. Yeah. Which of course makes you feel worse right. about what you're carrying. And I, so basically what happens one day, I just went downstairs and I told my mom, you know, about what happened in the, um, the encounter and kind of, um, the fear and, and um, do you remember why you shame. decided that, that now I think I just I, I was yeah frankly I was in my I was in my bed and I don't it must have been a weekend because I didn't have school and um, and it was a really dark place like mm -hmm. it was really um, it was a really dark place mm -hmm. and that's kind of deeply depressed huh? deeply depressed mm -hmm. and and not you know just what is my purpose to live, right? Like not in a, you know, I, I didn't have any intentions of, um, and I think if someone does have intentions of committing suicide, that they absolutely should, you know, seek help as well. But I, I don't think I was at that point. I was at more of a point of, I'm just going to sit in bed my whole life. Like, what am I going to do? So I'm just going to check out, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to take my right. life. I'm emotionally numb, yeah. Right. Emotionally numb. Right. Emotionally numb. And uh, I don't know. I just went down. My mom was in the living room. I was like, mom, I just need to, share with you and I shared the experience and she's like oh you know like maybe some of your uncles or other men have had this <laughs> and I was like what you know th that wow. was the opener that was the opener for me was like oh oh cool there's other guys it's not like the weird like this I'm not um, the only one I'm not the only one yeah and that was and that and then I you know I started seeing um uh psychologist which was kind of helpful but i think until i really um wrapped my head around that that was when it when the game changed and um and so it wasn't like a switch like oh okay everything's perfect but it was the you, start you needed that moment huh? yeah you, yeah yeah it, it kick-started something so so um in brief how did the next few years go you know what i mean yeah. like so through high school and then college you know um how did you get to be the guy you are sitting across from me today, given all that you went through totally early in life? And so in high school, my freshman and sophomore year, um, did, a, did a lot of, uh, not like hard drugs, but, um, you know, smoked, mm -hmm. drank, um, didn't do my schoolwork. Um, kind of checked out. Like kind of checked out. And medicating. And medicating a medicating some of the stuff that you're definitely. talking about. Mm -hmm. And and that was the first like extended period in my freshman and sophomore year that that my dad wasn't around, and it was just kind of a it was a weird time. I was just really trying to fit in and like be. You it's know, a tough time, so, no matter what. And I'm picturing like totally. to have gone through an unwanted sexual experience, to have 
to feel at fault for your parents' uh, marriage falling apart, um, and to be 15, 16, 17, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, and to go through all the complications that are just affiliated with that, you know, the, the thinking about academics and girls and social media was our kind of on totally you know uh on the rise, on the rise. that was like yeah. puberty and social media for us were like hand in hand so, yeah, yeah yeah no absolutely so you had a lot i mean that mind was filled yeah it was it was messed up man yeah. um no, i can see where then, you where you wanted to escape you know and just um you know uh lose yourself in something totally yeah and you know had a ton of friends you know was was good but it was also you know pretty pretty deeply wounded there and um basically i mean what happened and this is such like a high school story but hmm. um this one day i i so i uh was dating a girl and and you know found love and and all that and um this one day i had, i had drank a ton the night before and i had a ton of anxiety um when i would drink i would get super depressed like the next day etc and had a ton of anxiety and just depression and um, which it's alcohol and then we forget like okay there might be this little high associated with, uh, at night you know the way but yeah the next day is gonna the, the, it's not just a hangover but it's a depressant and if sure. you tend toward anxiety it is gonna make it worse so absolutely yeah, yeah. no and, surprise and that's a that's a, a lesson in it itself as well but you know i think for me it was um it was recognizing so it, the long story short is, is I just had a night of, of kind of crazy partying and drinking. Yeah. And the next day I was like, if I don't get sober, nothing is going to change, you know. And you know, I was very fortunate because I was in love with this girl who was my best friend who, you know, definitely partnered with and helped me um, get sober. And it was in my junior and senior year were two of my greatest years. I had a great friend group, great girlfriend. Um, did not get my schoolwork together, um, which is another story, but um, but I was good. I was better. Yes. And um, I think that's actually, um, I don't know when I started seeing you, but, um, and, and so that's kind of what happened. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, kind of briefly here, I, I got into like two colleges. I had a horrible GPA. Right. Um, and I knew neither of the colleges that I went to um, or that I got into, I had any interest in going to. Right. Um, so I decided, and this was really challenging for me, was I decided to go to a community college, which at the time I was like, shame, 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 shame. Oh, you're not going to college. All your, you know, all your friends are going to college. And right. You're going to community college, you're a loser, etc. Mm -hmm. um, which, wow, that it, it, it's funny how time changes things, but. Um, so I went to a community college in uh, the Chicago area, and uh, in order to just raise that GPA, to raise that and GPA, give yourself options, huh? right? Yeah, and I killed it. Um, I think I ended with it like a three nine um, in that year, and and just absolutely um, worked my ass off. I mean, I I deleted my Facebook, I deleted my, uh, I didn't delete my Instagram, but I never checked it. I deleted the app, deleted the Snapchat app. I mean, literally was just like my life was exercise homework like and that was and it was in it was the hardest year the, the loneliest year of my life uh -huh. um the most difficult but i mean how i grew and, and and it's cool to think about that year now because it's like like you can do this you know you can it's 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 um that grind really 
and and after that grind, I was accepted into uh, an incredible university. Right. Um, wait, wait. Before you leave the junior college year, yeah. Because I would imagine some listeners' ears perked up there, uh, because a lot of parents and, and a lot of guys who are eighteen mm-hmm. and had a and, and a tough girls high who had a tough high school career might think like, mm, I'm just not a good student. Mm-hmm. How does a guy in that one year um, find the tenacity and the uh, discipline um, to get rid of Facebook and decide, mm, I'm going to kill it for this, you know, even though. I have no history of this. In yeah. at least a lot, you know what I mean. I'm going. <laughs> I to have get, a history. It's not a good <laughs> one. Yeah. I, 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 I'm going to get A's, and and so so that I can afford myself this opportunity. Where do you get that? You know, I've I've heard many many people say it, and then habit just takes over. And, totally. You, know, you fall back to the old thing, and you get up with your oh I got D's again. Oh well. Yeah. What are you gonna do? No, that's a great question, and I, I've actually. Uh, so I think. So my best friend, uh, one of my best friends in the whole world, um, he went to a similar uh, Grinnell College. He went to a similar college yeah. um, that I ended up going to. And I'll never forget the day I registered for Triton cla- for my uh, Triton junior, junior college, college class. classes. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I basically, um, I went there and it was just a tough day. All my friends, my girlfriend left for college. And I went over to my buddy's house my best friend, uh, who's my best friend to this day. Yeah. And, uh, and, and he was like, the last thing he said to me, he was like, uh, he was on his porch. I'm getting in my car. He's like, go get A's. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and so that, and then, um, this is something I've been thinking about a lot about lately. And, um, and I heard this quote that resonates with me so much is you are the average of the five people you're surrounding yourself with. And um, basically what I did that year um, at junior college is I pretty much lived at my aunt and uncle's and um, which is, you know, a neighborhood away from my own house. Right. And I lived with an uncle who is, you know, a huge father figure to me and who, um, you know, exemplifies discipline and hard work and grit. And I think, and an aunt, um, who are also my godparents, who you know is the most patient, loving, compassionate human being. So that that's a pretty good combo. Yeah. Um, but um, but I you had to choose that, right? I mean, you yeah. had to decide, like, okay, th- this is these guys are going to create. The, th- these are going to be two of the five people that are going to help me create the atmosphere totally. where I'm going to thrive. Absolutely, and I I, I think um, just something, especially in American society, that we undervalue we we place so much value on autonomy and mm-hmm. it's all you you pick yourself up from the bootstraps etc and nobody like no it's just not that's not the case i mean we're we do have autonomy and and power in ourselves absolutely but if we don't surround ourselves by people who are building us up who are encouraging us who are holding us accountable um at least in my experience you know there's um these big changes I, I don't think happen. And I think for me, both being around an uncle who, um, you know, exemplified discipline, I think wanting to make him proud, um, and also just being at that rock bottom of going to a community college where, um, and I, I don't think it's like this ev- everywhere, but, uh, you know, most of my best friends are away. You know, right. they're, they're in, in Iowa, they're in uh they're in university settings. University settings, yeah, settings yeah. right? And, and you're... And living that life. Huh? Right. And yeah. you're... 
you know, I mean, I made some friends, you know, at the community college, but it's, you're not living on campus, it's spread out. And so for me, it was this, I got to get out of here. You know, I got to, if I don't do whatever it takes to be successful here, then I'm staying put. And I think that can be a a big um, spark of, um, I, I really don't like the word motivation, but a big spark of kind of get, get it, let's get it together and let's habitually practice. And then having that accountability, because you know, I mean, you know people who you can do things around and get away, get away with stuff, right? Right. right. You're not, you're probably not gonna, you know, um, if you, if you're, if we're surrounding ourselves with people who hold us accountable, you know, if, if I say Duffy, I'm gonna run six miles every day for the next thirty days, and 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 if I, you know, if I don't, you're gonna call me out, or you know, there's right, there's right, a consequence, right. versus. You know, if we surround ourselves with people who who, who are not challenging and holding us accountable, um, I, I I I do genuinely believe in the power of the community and kind of who we are around. Um, you know, Dylan, um, as as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking like, you know, wow, that's that's uh, in isolation. That's an amazing lesson for all of us at any point in our lives. Like, yeah, right. If you surround yourself with, you know, it's, um, I work with, you know, teenagers and young adults. And if I'm, if I'm working with a guy who's just like kind of living the pothead life, not somebody who just smokes on occasion, but somebody who's like all about it. I know his five people are oh, living that life, right? No doubt. So, so it, I'm thinking like, wow, what, what a great lesson. Like surround yourself with people you want to be with, you want to embody. But you're kind of giving a treatise almost unwittingly mm-hmm. on redefining strength, right? Like, um, so strength isn't in stoicism. Strength is in vulnerability. Strength isn't in um, this looseness, but it's in discipline and accountability. Strength isn't in um, isolation, but in reaching out for help when you need it and, and bringing those people in. And that's going to make you stronger. Um, it's almost redefining like masculinity. In a way, yeah, right? that's how it feels. That's yeah. how it feels. Um, it, it, and, and I feel like you're embodying that even in your vulnerability and your openness here in this discussion, it's kind of like, it, it's awe-inspiring, man. And I Appreciate just want you it, yeah. to know that, yeah. For sure. Um, so, so you go and you live with your aunt and uncle and you thrive and you get to this good college and you do pretty well there, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. super. Yeah. So, so the narrative has changed at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I, I, I won't go, you know, too, well, I, I will go into it a little bit here. I think what is, um, it, it's so, at least from my experience, the importance of having, the importance of having a male role model, you know, or a, a father figure. Yeah. Um, and, and frankly, you're one of them. You know, for me, I have my, my uncles, um, and yourself as well. No, thank you. It, yeah. It means a lot, and, seriously. And, and being able to see not only the, you know, the words and the availability, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, I know, you know, if, if, I, uh, if I'm having a tough day, I can call Duffy or my uncle or, you know. But, but actions speak loudest. Right. And so seeing this is how men that I love and respect have lived their lives. And this is, you know, of course, nobody's life is, uh, there's not one path, but seeing these are the steps that these men have took to, um, to live. Because if, if, you, if you don't have that um, from your, your own biological father, 
uh, you're lost, right? Right, I mean, right, right. Your son, um, your son, who I've had uh, a, a really interesting uh, and great fortune of meeting, um, you, you know, is able to see, oh, this is, you know, if I'm 22, for example, I just graduated from college, have the whole, you know, quarter life crisis thing going on, <laughs> I can go and, and say, hey, dad, you know, this is tough. I like, and, and I, I have that with my uncle, and I have that with you, right? Um, but I don't have that with my, my dad, right? So it's, um, so I, 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 and I think what's interesting about this is men who have had great fathers mm-hmm. um, are are good, available, good fathers, whose fathers have been there, um, have a really difficult time understanding. And I don't blame anyone, right? Like, right, right, because you've had that. So a little brain exercise is just imagining not having that and um, coming home and, and uh, you know, bless my mom, I, I, beautiful, incredible human, but um, I'm, I, I'm a man. And you need your father or a father figure. A figure. You need a man to um, show. Right. And, and, and one thing I noticed about you is, so um, I, you, you told me a little bit about the path that you're about to take um, in terms of uh, your vocation, um, and we, we, you, you can you can share if you'd like to a little bit about that. It's not necessarily the vocation. You're not necessarily walking in their footsteps of these men, right, or of me or of uh, your uncles. You, in a way, having the strong men around you that model a certain way of life and a certain vision allows you to, to forge a path of your own. Yes. I'm I'm not in my head hugely here. Yeah, one hundred percent. Abs and and I think that's what's um that's what it is. It's not even the, the words. It's it's literally seeing um you know, for me be, you know, staying at my at one of my uncles for a year. Um oh he gets up at four thirty every morning and he runs. Yeah. And he makes sure the kitchen's clean. And um and he works extremely hard. Oh, okay, this is this is this is literally like literally seeing oh this is how this guy lives his life and he's and I respect the heck out of him and I love him and he's been arguably the most important figure in my life so this is how you do it yeah right and it's not oh I'm going to go and be a lawyer or a mortgage broker but it's oh these are things this is how to become a uh, a man, a man, and yeah. not in the not in the stereotypical, um, but but this is how oh you, you treat women well, right? You're you're generous, you're kind, you're serving, you're um, you're disciplined. So these these little things, if if you don't see that growing up, you don't do that. You don't just be, become, you know. If you're, you know, on a, a, a more um, macro level, you know, if you're, if you're growing up in the south side of Chicago mm-hmm. and you're an African-American male and um, quick plug for the film Moonlight, which is incredible, but appropriate it, plug. And you don't and you don't see the um, you know, if, if, if you if you're not seeing these examples or if you don't have these opportunities, you, what are you going to do? Right. I mean, if, if the opportunity is to go and if the opportunity to eat is to go and sell drugs or, or to help your mom pay, I mean, these are things that um, 
I think those who have strong father relationships or uh, father figures, it, it's a different ballgame. But if, if, you know, if they're not around or um, not available, which I, I absolutely love that word, available, mm. um, you're not able to, to really fully construct. And, and that's not to say there aren't men or women out there, men who haven't had fathers, women who haven't had fathers or mothers, et cetera, who haven't gone and, and done something because they're, they have. Right. Um, but I, I just can't emphasize enough the importance of for, you know, whether it's daughters without one of their parents or sons without one of their parents. Um, it, it's, it's, it's extremely, I think, essential and informative. It feels like a particular clarion call to fathers, right? Yeah, that, that, that's that, that what it is. Yeah. So what, what do you think it is about you, though, Dylan? Like, so I- imagine for a moment, because that, that's what I, one thing I can't stop myself from doing is imagining what if Dylan didn't have the wherewithal and the self-awareness and the, the other's awareness and the availability to seek out your uncle and these other men who were going to serve as your five, as your models, as your people that you were going to kind of walk in the, in the, in the uh, paths of, um, you could easily, you, you could have lived the same life as your dad did. Mm-hmm. Um, or you, you, you could be an abusive father. You could be, and, and clearly you are so very self-aware that that is simply, it's easy. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think it is about you that decided, you know, like, um, I, I see what I have here um, and I can see what my uncle's doing. Like, and some people would be at their aunt and uncle's house and be like, oh, well, my uncle's doing the dishes, whatever. You right. were, you clocked that. You, you noted that, right? And said, and put that in your checklist list of, oh, that's what a man does. That's how a father acts. This is how, you know, and you decided to seek that out more and more and more to the point where in the year that really changed your life and maybe your feeling about yourself, you decided, I have to live with him. In order to do this yeah. effectively, I, gotta, I need to be around that. Totally. To, uh, yeah, man, absolutely, man. I mean, I, I think, I, I mean, genuinely, I think the, the, the biggest thing from, and this is something, you know, we've discussed is, is, is um, shining the light on shame. And so, you know, for me, I, I, I'm, I think from that first experience with that, um, the sexual experience, where it's something I was deeply ashamed of and, um, and, you know, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, saying, hey, mom, this is what happened. And recognizing, oh, like, like um, on the opposite side of that fear of, uh, hey, Duffy, I did something bad. Right. Um, or I feel really bad about something. Um, typically with people that we, we love is, oh, my gosh, how can I help you? Right. What can I do? And I am... <laughs> I mean, I, I literally, uh, I am so fortunate to have um, my, you know, my four uncles, my godfather, um, and my grandpa, who, who are just really good human beings, yeah. and have been incredibly available and loving towards me my whole life. So, not everybody has that, um, but I think for me it was, uh, it was almost like a a recognition of first, I don't want to repeat this pattern. And then, okay, that's great. I like mentally I don't, but like, what can I do to, to not repeat this pattern? Um, so for me, that's kind of been the, the mission is like, you know, I, I hope to have children one day. And I think, 
Um, and I also hope to be a successful 20-year-old who's living life, you know, um, autonomous. I mean, not, but, you know, kind of taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. And I think just recognizing, hey, you know, there are there are men who I respect and admire who have done this. I'm going to go and try to figure out how they've done it and, um, you know, take some of their ingredients and add it to my own life. And I think almost any young man can probably... If you, if you seek out those people, those men and women who are going to inspire you and model for you, you can, you can find that. You just need the wherewithal to do it. So having gone through all this process, um, you know, I've got a couple questions before we wrap up here. Have you, do you get past the I'm not enough and I'm not worthy of love? Has there been a moment or is that still a struggle for you? It's still a struggle. Um, I, I think I, I'm, I'm better with it because I'm a lot more aware of it. Um, and I also think action, so really like taking care of ourselves is, um, it's kind of a, a, a way to, sh and you and I have talked about this, putting ourselves first. And, yeah. Um, one of my older cousin uh, who, we, who we've talked about earlier says, you are the most important person under the sun. And what, what I think that means is unless we take care of ourselves, um, we can't really help others, you right? Know? And and um, it's an interesting kind of paradox where um, self indulgence can almost seem selfish, um, but really without that uh, self, I think Audrey Lord says um, self care is not active self indulgence; it's uh, an act of self preservation. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think things like s simple practical tools uh, that have helped me tremendously are uh, exercising. Um, mm -hmm. meditation, um, doing something creatively, whether that's journaling, um, taking photos, etc. But, you know, there are, there are little kind of practical tools, kind of a, a toolkit that I've developed that is still something we need to practice um, every day. But I, I, I do think um, slowly you recognize, hey, you know, this isn't my, you, I am enough, right? And, and um, you know, I think that's more of a, a practice, at least for me, than a, um, oh, I had the epiphany, now I'm enough, I'm great, you know? Jeez, that, that's really profound, man. Right, I mean, um, right, in a way you want to kind of, it sounds like you've created a mind, body, spirit, pra daily practice that um, will eventually shift that script from I'm not good enough to I've got everything I need, yeah? Absolutely, and, and, that, and that's what you said, it's the, the daily practice. Yeah. It's not, it's not, okay, I have this feeling, now I am, and everything's perfect. Because if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not gonna feel and good it, about yourself. And I have to say, it's tough to sit across from you and hear you say, and see you in, in the pain that you've been in, in yeah. the last hour, and to hear you say, um, you know, I feel like I'm not good enough and not worthy of love, because you know the inclination is to say, of course you, you are. are. Right, are you right. Me, you yeah. know, like, and and yet I, I get that that's not the fix, right? Right. The fi it, it's something you have to tell yourself. You have to own. And it's internal. such an inside job, man. It's, it's such an inside, inside job. job. Yeah. And 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 I think, and and one thing I, I wanted to emphasize is, we live in a world now, especially, um, you know, social media, where external validation is constantly sought. So, right. you know, you mentioned, oh, I got to get three thousand likes on my Instagram mm -hmm. or. I gotta wear these clothes or go to this party and then Snapchat about it for 45 minutes instead of actually being there, which is a different story. But <laughs> right. um, we'll, we'll have you in again to talk right, about right. that. Right, and, and, and I think, you know, the, the reality is, is, is it is all internal. You know, if we feel comfortable with ourselves, 
doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. And, right. and, and um, that is also, you know, at least in my mind, a, a practice of, um, and I think medita- you know, mindfulness meditation is super helpful in, oh, I want to post this photo. On, why do I want to post this? Like, right. what, what am I feeling? And, um, and just that curiosity of like, mm-hmm. oh, what, what am I really trying to do? Um, or why am I trying to present myself this way? It helps in just creating that awareness. Oh, oh, I don't really feel, um, I, I don't really feel great about myself, or I feel lonely, so I'm going to post something. Yes. Um, and those little kind of, you know, they sound like little things, but I think once we recognize that it really, you're not, you're not going to feel better about yourself if you just get external validation. Oh, you're good, because if, if, if you know. Duffy sits across from me and says, oh, Dylan, you're deserving. It, it goes, I mean, it, it's appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we don't feel that way about ourselves. It just bounces right it off. It just bounces right? off. Yeah. yeah. And it might, be, it might be somehow invalidating, right? It might yeah. be like, oh, don't Don't, don't tell me that. Me. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> right. I don't need you. Yeah, right, exactly. exactly. So, so um, one one final thing that I'm, I'm just um, kind of curious about, um, you know, uh, I, I think it's important um, and you and I talked about this before we started, not to villainize your father. Um, and, and we don't have time to kind of go into his backstory, but I think, um, sure. you know, I, I suspect that if we had him in the room and another hour, we could find a whole lifetime worth of undue anxiety. Oh, he absolutely. He suffered brought him to these abusive tons, moments, tons. right? Yeah. Um, so what do you see for the future of that relationship? Part of me thinks like, wow, what a fortunate man he is to have Dylan at 22 so self-aware, so emotionally astute, because you might be patient enough to hang in there with him instead of just saying, you know what, Dad, I'm just done with you. Now that I'm, yeah. now that I'm an adult, I'm out. Totally. Um, do, you, do you have hope for that relationship? Do you have vision for how that's gonna go with you and your dad, you know, as you're, you know, will you want Thanksgiving with him to a decade from now? Yeah, that's <laughs> a great, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough to answer without the full context, but I think, for me, I I have one hundred percent. I'm very aware of the 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 house that he grew up in and, mm-hmm. and the familial situation, and I've recognized he didn't have what I have in four incredible uncles and a great. Um, I mean, not you know uncles as, as male role models, but also in just incredible aunts, uh, some of the most beautiful people, grandparents, cousins, um, who have shown me love through in and throughout, and he didn't have that. Right. Um, you didn't have that extended family no. to lean on. Right. And, and you know, his experience, I think, is, um, you know, I'm sure he has just as much trauma. Um, and I think I've kind of, I've been fortunate to have family members who have, um, who are available and there that he didn't have. Yes. And um, without, without them, who knows what I do. So, um that's something I, I try to remind myself and, and stay conscious of. It's it doesn't ease the the pain of what I've gone through, but it helps recognize. Um, and I also I don't know. This is something that's really helped me, and I think we discussed is mm-hmm. thinking of our parents as human beings <laughs> instead of like mom and dad. Like, right, right. Um, Especially once you're an adult, right? You don't right. have to idealize them. You don't need them to be anything other than who they are. Right. They're yeah. just they're they're them. And yes. um, and I think for me. Uh, Expectations are extremely different with my dad than, um, you know, a godfather or uncle, and um, and so that's that's been helpful. But 
it, it's a weird radical acceptance and forgiveness, but it's also, um, I can't be around the rage, right? Like I, I and you know, if I have children, they, they will not. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's, I think the balls, you know, um, again, I, I totally empathize and understand how this rage is developed and, um, but that doesn't mean it's okay. That, that doesn't mean it's okay, okay to be around yeah. and, and it's toxic and no, it's yeah, and it's it's traumatic and um, and everybody's doing their best, right? Yeah. I get that, but um, I think a great lesson that I've learned from you and um, and that I try to practice is like I'm important, and I think for for a lot of people that's that feels weird to kind of prioritize themselves, but I, I'm slowly learning, especially in the adult world, really the only way to um, succeed in whatever way you want to put it or uh, experience joy in a kind of fulfilling life is to put ourselves first. Um, and, and by putting ourselves first, we're, we're able to, to help others. I think Brene Brown, who we've talked about, um, she says, <laughs> parents don't want to hear this, but parents can only love their kids uh, in practice as much as they love themselves. Right. And that's Ooh. a super super you know touchy and um sensitive that she i think has taken a lot of heat on but i think that idea of if we can only love others um and of course the unconditional love but we can only love others as much as we really value and um feel about ourselves it, um at my core i feel that to be yeah true, i was gonna ask right? what are your thoughts on that no, yeah. I, I absolutely uh, agree with that wholly i um i know that she has taken a lot of flack for that so has um, Cheryl Richardson and some other great thinkers of our time, and um, and yet I think that you know whether we want that to be true or not, it is true, and it's probably a better answer for parents than you know like oh I'll just hate myself and you know and then I'll and try my parent, to my kids will be create good. some right. falsehood of, right. that that my parents can uh, that my children can like follow as a model you know no I I think the authenticity and the depth and the genuineness um, is is way more important in parenting and in life. Um, Dylan, I got to tell you, man, um, I, I don't, I've been grateful for everybody who's, who sat across from me and, and shared their story. Um, I don't know if I felt this grateful <laughs> before, just because you've been so, um, open and, 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 um, and open and self-revealing and it's kind of what I put this thing together to be about, you know, is like, um, boy, if we really tell the depth of our story and even do a gut check in the middle of the hour and say, you know what, I'm going to share this because this might touch yeah, that was somebody not, out there. Yeah, that was not planned. That was, that was a, I, I, I yeah. so appreciate that. And totally. that's, you know, um, there's so much wisdom here that I suspect this, this episode becomes a friend to a number of people who will go back and listen to bits and pieces or the entirety of it over and over and over again because um, from you know, from the ashes rises a phoenix, and, and, and you carry so much strength and wisdom that um, I'm glad that there are young men like you in the world, man, because, because the uncles that you look up to, you're going to be that guy for young people, for many, many young people. And, um, you know, maybe it starts with a podcast, <laughs> but, but um, really, I mean that sincerely, um, that, uh, you know, it's not easy to break the mold. It's, um, it's easier to let the toxin trickle down the family tree and carry it. And you can feel, and I think anybody listening can feel that you've decided it stops with you. Mm -hmm. And that 
is mighty, man. There, we can call, we can say, oh, what a wuss! He's talking about vulnerability and um, you know, reaching out to other people. But you are mighty, and um, and I honor you, and I so appreciate you spending some time here, man. Love you, man. Thanks Love for having too. me. Yeah. All right. Um, that's Dylan. Um, give it a good listen and maybe have a listen again. Um, as always, you can find this podcast on iTunes, on Podbean, on Stitcher, on LiveLeadPlay.com, and WGN+. Um, feel free to drop. I'm not going to talk you out of giving it a five-star review if that's something you're inclined to do. Um, uh, let's see. If you have any thoughts, ideas, questions, comments about the podcast or you or somebody you know would like to be a guest, you can write me at John G. Duffy at drjohnduffy.com. And um, on that website, drjohnduffy.com, you will find a free parenting program. It's just five quick videos to watch. It's easy. Um, I so appreciate you joining us. I don't take your time for granted. Uh, on behalf of Bill and I, thank you. And, um, and I will talk to you next time. Have a great week.